0: need armor, and, uh, and we do, we need armor uh, to be successful in staying alive, <laughs> staying active, staying usable, right, for God and what He's called us to do and what He's uh, allowed us to do. And if you'd look at Ephesians chapter 6, we've been kind of uh, looking at this, uh, these few verses here, look at verse 10 if you would, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, <clears throat> it's written to believers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand." Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray real quick and we will get into the lesson. Father, would you teach us this morning by your Holy Spirit? Would you illuminate your word today? Would you open our hearts, our, our minds And, uh, Lord, that through this lesson, uh, Father, we would be uh, better equipped and changed. If there's any areas that we need to work on, your Holy Spirit, I know, will put his finger upon that. I pray that we'd be quick uh, just to be obedient and to make those changes that we need to make. We thank you for the help that you have for us and for the armor that we can have. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we looked at the subject of the word of of truth, right, Uh, about... um, Girding up your loins with the with with uh, with truth, your loins gird about with truth. And we saw last week that the truth is what the word of God, and right over in John seventeen. Jesus said, "What is uh, you know uh, uh, sanctifying by thy by thy uh, truth? Thy word is truth." Jesus said. And so the word of God is truth. And let me give you this reminder from last week. We know this. It's 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 always good to be. I, I hope this doesn't really wear out. You're right. It doesn't get old to you. The fact that God loves you—that's a—that's a great thing to be reminded of on a daily basis. <clears throat> in a world that is self-centered, in a world, there is this car in front of us this morning coming over here, and their bumper sticker said, uh, "Weird, uh, something weird, something else," and then had a comma and a little a touch antisocial, and I said all. If all a touch antisocial theory, all that means, a touch antisocial, I said, all that means is I'm selfish. <laughs> a touch antisocial. It means you're social when you want to be, and when you don't like people or you know, you, you go to the oh, I'm just not a people person." Well, sometimes you're just a selfish person, and you don't want to be bothered by people, and that's what that is. And anyway, but we live in a world that way, don't we? We live in that kind of world that just doesn't want to be uh, we just want our own thing. but what a wonderful thing it is to be reminded that God loves you. God is for you. He's not against you. Right? He likes you. It's one thing to love somebody. It's another thing to actually like them. Yeah, that's a whole new thing. I mean, there's people we can love we don't like. Right? We've been commanded to love people. We haven't been commanded to like everybody. But I'll tell you what, uh, it makes it easier when you love them to like them. But I know this, God, God loves us. He likes us. And I know this, Satan hates us. I've said it numerous times to try to get the perspective. Satan really hates God more than he hates us. But if you're in, in Christ, he hates you. Now you, now you fall under, the, under that thing that is hated, that person that is hated. And think about why he might hate us. He's, we've been given everything in Christ Jesus. Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 12-18, through 18, it tells us there that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Now I know, I know what the Jehovah's Witnesses say. They say, see, Jesus is created. He's a created being. He's not God. But that's not what the firstborn of creation means. The firstborn, watch—that means the firstborn of creation means he has the right of the firstborn, and you have to understand the Old Testament when it deals with um, with the the the, the birthright. And the right of the firstborn. The firstborn had rights to, to the birthright, which means the firstborn got everything there was. So if you're if you were the firstborn and your father died, and all of a sudden all of the farm, all of the sheep, all of the goats, all of the cattle, everything went to you. Okay, That was the right of the firstborn. So watch this. The birthright though, remember Esau, he sold his birthright, he was the firstborn. The birthright meant you were giving everything necessary financially to carry out your role as the firstborn now that your father has died. It's one thing to inherit everything, but not have the means to carry it on. What happens? You start selling sheep. You start selling land. You start selling things because you don't have the means and the ability to carry it on. So what would happen is the birth the, the firstborn would get everything, and within that birthright was the ability to carry that on. And this is what Jesus is here when it says in Colossians one twelve through eighteen. He is the firstborn of all creation. He has the right of the firstborn. What's it mean? It's all his. And we see over in Romans chapter uh, chapter 8, it is that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What does it mean? We're joint heirs. Well, Jesus is the heir of everything. He's the firstborn of all creation. He has the right of the firstborn. He has the birthright. He owns it all. And now we're joint heirs with him. That's pretty good, man. Amen. I don't know if, you've, if there's going to be in this planet you'd like to be, like to be uh, related to, maybe a uh, you know, uh, it just financially, it might not be too bad to be related to a, a Gates or a Bezos or a Musk or a Trump or, you know, whoever, you know, Micah. I mean, that, that, that'd offer you a little bit of cash and cho- coinage, right? Uh, but I, listen, listen, listen. Join heirs with God. Friend, that's rich. That is rich. That is rich. That's eternally rich. That's not just this life rich. That's eternally rich. We are the children of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. And by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have access to everything that God has and that God is. And, but you know what? Satan doesn't. <laughs> as, 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 as a created angel, as what his position once was, you see over in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, we see the position that Satan once had, but because of his pride, his goal to dethrone God, Everything that he had at once was stripped from him, taken from him, kicked out, right? Came down to, kicked out, came, fell, uh, came to earth. He, say, he said he saw Satan fall as it were lightning. He was tossed out of heaven and uh, once he was tossed out of heaven, Satan said, I want everything that God has. Over in Isaiah 14, the five I wills that Satan said, he said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne, my throne. I, I will sit on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. He says, this, I will be like the most high God. That word God, El Yon. I will be... I will be like the Most High God. He, he acknowledges there's nobody higher than El Elyon. Did you notice that? I will be like, like the Most High God. He, Satan knows there is nothing above God. He says, I'm going to be just like him though. Well, that isn't possible. So what, is, but what we see from this, though, is the goal of Satan. What is his, what is his MO? What is his goal? What is, what is he doing? Well, it's to dethrone God as king. Watch, please. He can't dethrone God from heaven, but he can dethrone him out of your life. And what a bad place we know. Oh, you lose your salvation? No, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> no, we're talking about and we're talking about dethroning him as in God's active role in our life. Remember, the Holy Spirit is—he's our guide, he's our teacher, right? He, he he rebukes, he corrects, he he guides us into all truth. You know, you see, you know, what, you know what we have the propensity to do in our flesh is to put God off the throne and put us on the throne. This is the great, this is the great dichotomy between David, the life of David and the life of Samuel or uh, the life of Saul. You know, what, you know what Saul should have done the moment, the moment that, uh, uh, that he did wrong, the moment that God said, I've taken the kingdom from you, he should have dethroned himself and given it over to David. No, this is what we ought to do at salvation. We ought to dethrone ourselves and hand hand our kingdom over to the Lord Jesus Christ and make Him king of our life. But Saul didn't do that. No, David did. David, David enthroned God on his life. Saul didn't. And you see the difference in their life. And this is the problem that we have. And Satan loves it. He loves to take advantage of that aspect of our life, of dethroning God out of our life, making, making us think that we need to be king. We need to be on the throne of our life. And you know what you found out? How many have found this true? That every time that you put yourself on the throne of your life, it ends up like Saul or Solomon. You thought, man. I told this to somebody thursday night only god knows how to make life work only god knows how to make life work listen we've done it we've all done it every and it always comes packaged a little differently right all right but we come to the end of it and you go well that package that wasn't of god <laughs> and here i am again in a bad spot <laughs> right I should have just kept God enthroned in my life. He kept him as king over my life. And so this is what Satan's goal is, is to dethrone, dethrone the king. And so many times when, when, when an enemy seeks to dethrone a king, all of the subjects of that kingdom are included, are included as a target of, of that enemy. And so, what does Satan do? Well, I, one of the great things he does—not great as in it's wonderful, great as in it's it's huge. One of the things that Satan does is he begins—he begins a propaganda, a propaganda crusade uh, to go against us. He's the master, the master of propaganda. Okay, Satan is—he's the master of it. In propaganda, what he does is he disseminates propaganda to the children of the king, so as to look unto their father unfavorably, unfavorably, not bubbly, unfavorably, and cause us to walk away from the battle. Yeah, he's done this since the beginning, right? But of all the tactics that Satan uses, I think this propaganda one's probably the greatest one he uses. You may these words may come back to you as 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 uh, as uh, very, something very familiar. Hath God said? Isn't that what he said? Said to Eve, Satan. You know, Eve says, "No, we're not supposed to eat of it." Hath God said? Really? Hath God said you will die? Actually, Satan came along and said. You will not die. Satan, he said, "God didn't say that." What's that? That's what he said. Well, that's not what it means. <laughs> Come on, you don't want to take what he said literally. You got to find out what he meant underneath all of that, right? No, friend. Listen. Here's what. Here's what makes uh, uh, among uh, 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 Bible believing Baptists watch. We take this book can only be accurately accurately read and taken literally and historically and grammatically. This is exactly, it says what it says, right? Yeah. That we there, Yes, are there deep things of God that we dive into? Absolutely. But I tell you what, don't worry about the deep things when you haven't got the simple things uh, applied to your life and figured out. Some people, they love to go to, oh, 6 means this, and 5 means this. And you see this is verse 6, and that's verse 5. And verse 13 over here is 1 and 3 is 4, and 4 plus 7 is, you know, 11. And then you have the number of such and such. It's like, oh, my goodness. And you can't even show up to church, right? <laughs> no, they can spend all waking hour finding out the numbers of numerology, which is a real real problem, and uh, you yeah, can't even be faithful, yeah. Why don't you worry about the the, the, the the stuff that he says? This is what Satan does, though. Hath God said, This is what he's constantly using the Word of God to twist for his own propaganda. The info wars. He's constantly going after us. And Christians are walking away every day believing the de- the lies of Satan because they don't know the truth. Have you ever heard somebody say, Oh, yeah, and, yeah, doesn't the Bible say, you know, such and such, and you realize. They don't ever read this thing. You know what I mean? Listen, Bible readers end up having a Bible language. Amen. Yeah. They they speak the Word of God. They know the Word of God. It comes out in the way they talk. Right? And uh, those that are not Bible readers, you can tell a mile away. Yeah, you don't read that, do you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what he wants. No, listen. If you are saved here and you are in the category of not being a Bible reader, not being a a Bible, uh, you know, we're going to get into here later, a Bible doer, you are a, a, how do I say this? You, You have been a successful target of Satan. And you're wide open. We're wide open. You are wide open to even more destruction. But it's one thing to know the truth. It is another thing to do the truth and that's what I want to look at today in verse 14 look at this would you please stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having it on the breastplate of righteousness. Now here's that word breastplate. This is interesting when Paul was writing uh this uh, at this time here he is in a Roman jail and he's writing to this church at Ephesus here and um the Roman Empire was the was the ruling empire of the world and they were known for their military and they were known they were known for their armament that they had that uh, had not been around as long before. It's been around quite a while, but when Paul comes around, uh, really it had only been around about 50 years. Uh, the typical thing of this breastplate that Paul is talking about that they would have that that, that the Roman military would have had. It's uh, called a lorica segmentata. Lorica segmentata. What does that mean? Ah, It's a segmented piece of armament and it had a physical purpose to this breastplate to the soldier, of course, probably one of the most recognizable pieces of armor that is worn to cover the torso. It covers this upper body from the waist uh, to just around the clavicle and below the neck over the shoulders a little bit. it was uh, came about about twenty b c you you see it. They used it all the way up into the third century a d when after that you know, a lot of soldiers switched to more of a metal type of a male armor i think I think uh, Micah has some of that laying around, don't you yeah don't ask why, but he does, and uh, he's ready and so so this this metal lorica seg- segmata um, was heavy. I mean, you had to have some oomph to you to wear this thing around. It's metal, <laughs> right? Metal to withhold uh, a blow from a sword and they can swing them pretty heavy, to, to withstand a shot from an arrow. And those are moving pretty, pretty well. It was uncomfortable. It required a lot of maintenance and a lot of upkeep. But it was, it was almost, almost impervious to, to uh, being um, penetrated by any type of a weapon. And so this is the imagery that Paul is using here. This is what he's drawing off. When he wrote this to the church at Ephesus, I mean, it was just like boom. Okay, They completely understood it. Right. If he was, if Paul was writing to a bunch of guys that rode street bikes, right, he would have, he would have maybe called it a Kevlar jacket, you know, uh, you know, one of those Kevlar riding jackets, and they would go, Oh yeah, I get that. You know, great imagery. Kevlar is great stuff, right? And you can get all of the all of that imagery with it. No, to the Ephesians, they completely understood this. It, it what what it was what it was to do. It protected the vital organs. It protected the lungs, the liver, the spleen, the intestines. But above all, what is, the, what is probably the biggest thing you would have to protect? The heart, right? Lung, liver, spleen, intestines, pretty important. And I mean, if you whack one of those, yeah, you can die. You could live, but I tell you what, you whack the heart, you're done. Yeah. You, got, you got to get the heart protected. And this is the physical purpose of the breastplate. Overall, the heart. Protect the heart. So you you see here Paul is using this for a spiritual application. I think it's the protection of the heart that Paul, that the Holy Spirit of God, we know that God is really the most concerned about. If Satan can't get you away from truth right off, he'll go after your heart. Because if he gets your heart, the truth isn't going to matter anymore because you're not plugged in anyway. You're away from him. And we know the Word of God is loaded with examples of people's hearts that were hardened against God now we know David was a man after God's own heart right even after many failures and sin in his life David dies with a with a heart to build the temple of God David dies uh, you know writing the psalms David dies in, in in a place of still loving God and having a a heart for God. And God, it was such a uh, heart that he had God even wanted it recorded. He wanted it recorded that David was a man after his own heart. And, and David, here he was, a man after God's own heart. But watch this. His son Solomon was stolen. Solomon's heart was stolen. Had a stolen heart. David had a heart that he died with, right with God. But Solomon, Solomon came along and had a heart for God, but he allowed it to be stolen. Stolen by many foreign wives. With all their pagan idolatry, they came in. Watch, both had truth. Both had truth. One wrote the Psalms and one wrote Ecclesiastes. Right? David was followed by Solomon who built the temple and Solomon was followed by Rehoboam who split Israel. You know what? Hey, David had Nathan... David had a man of God in front of him who had access to him, even as a king. You know how it goes out. The king can come in and just say, you know, if they didn't like what was said, they'd be like, okay, take him out and kill him. I don't want to hear that. Right? No, no, David was such a person, was such an individual, had such a heart that he even allowed access. He allowed access to his preacher, Nathan, to come in and point a finger at him and say, you sinned. That's why I have real struggle with Bathsheba not coming into David and saying this isn't right. Anyway, another topic. Yeah. David Hey, listen, David left the man of God next, and, and what did he say? I've sinned. I've sinned. Oh, you read the Psalms and the, 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 he said, my bones are broken. I'm just destroyed. Everything about, his sin had destroyed him, and what a heart he had to acknowledge it and to get right with God. He said, search me, O God, and find any wicked way in me. He said, he said, purge me with hyssop, right? He said, cleanse me, and I shall be whiter than snow. David had a heart after God. Even in his sin, it was evident, his heart for God, right? Can you tell me who Solomon's preacher was? Maybe because they didn't want a preacher. You know, a lot of people—well, a lot of people want a preacher. They definitely don't want a pastor. (laughs) Yeah. And that was what Nathan was doing. He was pastoring David. That's what a pastor does: rebukes, exhorts, you know, right? Brings along, corrects. That's what an under shepherd does. And Nathan came in as an under shepherd and said, No, David, this is wrong. You need to get out of that patch because it's going to kill you. You need to get back to where the green grass is, where God wants you. You know, some people, they don't want it. They don't want a pastor. They don't want a preacher. They don't want somebody to lead them. They don't want somebody to tell them no. They don't want us to tell somebody to come along and say, Get out of that pasture. It's a bunch of poison. Right? They don't want it. Solomon didn't want it. Right. It was David who said in the 139th psalm, Search me, O God. Yeah, know, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts. Ecclesiastes one seventeen, Solomon said, I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and falling. I perceive this also is vexation of spirit. Just emptiness. Ecclesiastes, Solomon says it again, I said in my heart, Go to I'll prove thee with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. Solomon's heart went after pleasure, it went after knowledge, it went after everything but God, and he said, Well, I found that was empty. I'm thankful Solomon came back. He did a lot of damage. I'm thankful personally. You see in Ecclesiastes he says, "Let us consider the hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man." Yeah, boy, he came finally came around. Kind of late. You know what's ironic? The one who wrote in Proverbs to keep thy heart with all diligence, guard it, protect it, for out of it are the issues of life is the same one we read about in 1 Kings 11. But Solomon loved many strange women together, with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Man, everything was on the table for him. There was nothing left out. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go in unto them, neither shall they come in unto you, for, for surely they will turn your heart after their gods. Do you, uh, do you think God knows something more than we know? Right? Surely they will turn your heart unto God. Look at this. Solomon, clave unto these in love. Dope. Not not wise, was it? The wisest man that ever was wasn't wise enough to see that this was bad. Why? I'll tell you why. He had 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines. His wives turned away his heart. Can I tell you? You can have all the wisdom in the world. But a heart not right with God won't afford you anything of that wisdom. You'll still get into the most unwise places you could be. Solomon was brought up by David. Solomon became king after David and built the temple. And when God came to Solomon and asked him, what do you want? What do you want? He had, a, whoa. What what, a, what an example of a great heart he had towards God. He said, "I just want wisdom. I don't want money. I don't want riches. I don't. I just need wisdom to lead this this great people. I'm like a child. He said, "I don't know how to come out or come in. Yeah. But wisdom is the only is only the ability to see right and wrong. It's not it's not the it's it's the ability to see the right and wrong, not the ability to do right or wrong. Watch me, please. It takes a heart to do right." It takes a heart to do right. Proverbs 3.1, Solomon said, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. It's a heart. Yeah. David said, When thou hast enlarged my heart, I will run in thy precepts. David, God, David said, God, if, if you'll change my heart, I, I, I will, I'll be in obedience. I'll obey. I'll obey. It's a heart. So this is the purpose of the breastplate for the Christian. Protect the heart. For out of it are the issues of life. Protect the heart because it's from the heart that we, that we obey God and keep the commandments of God. And so, it, this, we are dealing here in the spiritual realm. We're talking about spiritual warfare. We're talking about spiritual armor, right? Look at verse 14 again. Uh, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So what is righteousness? What is righteousness? Well, according to the dictionary, Webster's 1828, it is the purity of heart and rectitude of life. That settled it, didn't it? Made it clear? <laughs> Listen to this. Conformity, this is what Webster says, conformity of heart and life to the divine law. Kind of sounds like obedience, doesn't it? Notice that he put heart and life. Yeah, righteousness is, listen, righteousness as used in scripture and theology in which it is chiefly used is nearly equivalent, he says, to holiness, comprehending holy principles and affections of heart, listen, and conformity of life to the, to the divine law, conformity of life, conformity of life. What is that? Doing what you say you believe. Living what you say has been put inside of you. Yeah. It always it says it includes all we call justice, honesty, virtue, holy affections. In short, it is true religion. So this piece of armor, right, protecting our heart is righteousness. The armor that is protecting our heart is righteousness. The armor protecting our heart is conformity of life to the divine law. It's doing. That's all righteousness is. That's what it is. Simply, it's doing right. Righteousness, doing what is right. What is right? Well, whatever God says. That's right. It's obeying God. So watch this. The breastplate of righteousness is put on Every time we obey the word of God, he <laughs> say, "Well, how do I put on this spiritual thing? Do what God has said to do." Yeah, you woke up this morning. Hopefully, in the back of your mind was forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, right? And what did you do? You got you got dressed. You uh, might, might have uh, you took a shower, maybe got cleaned up got your uh, Sunday clothes on, right? Maybe had a little breakfast and you headed out to the house of God. What did you do the moment you headed out? You put on the breastplate of righteousness. You you protected yourselves from the darts of Satan. See, church isn't that important. Well, it is on on multiple levels. But obedience is that one thing that protects you from Satan. Make sense? Are we good? Amen. Right. That's what it is. Absolutely. Holy Spirit of God says, why don't, you, why don't you turn that channel? And you turn the channel. You know what you do the moment you've turned that channel? You've put on the breastplate of righteousness. Yeah. He might come along and say, Why don't you pick that whole thing up and throw it out? <laughs> breastplate of righteousness. I'm just saying, obedience is putting on the breastplate of righteousness. James chapter 1, verse 22, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now don't miss this, please. The rest of the verse. Deceiving your own selves. Deceiving your own selves. Watch this. When you hear the word of God, and you don't obey the word of God, not only have you removed the breastplate of righteousness, or there is a chink in the armor that leaves uh, uh, access open to the darts of Satan, not only that, but watch this, you end up bringing deception into your life. Deception. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Watch this. When you cease to do what you know we should do, we end up layering after layer after layer of self-deception in our life. And you know what happens, and you've seen this in people's lives. The things that they knew were wrong five years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it was. The things they knew that were wrong, that they disregarded, now they've come to the place of deceiving their own selves, going, oh, there's nothing wrong. I'm telling you, you, you couldn't convince them now. Why? Because they are so deceived. Which is a trait of Satan, and it should not be a trait of a child of God. Satan is the ultimate deceived ignoramus. Right? That really thinks he's going to accomplish something. Philippians 4.9 Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, Do. Do. And the God of peace shall be with you. You know why people are, are, are so turned upside down today? There's no peace in their life. There's no joy. There's, no, there's, no, uh, there's just no contentment. I mean, they're just, they're, their nerves are frazzled and on, on edge all the time. They're just, they're just horrible to be around at times. They're just all the time. right? Because they're not a doer of the word. Yeah. It says the God of peace shall be with you. Obedience, friend, obedience is the foundation of the gospel, right? It's the foundation of the gospel. Jesus said, here's the way, walk ye in it, right? Do what have been, hey, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. There we go, back to a heart issue, right? Matthew 28, 19, go ye, therefore, therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all all things whatsoever I have commanded you in law, I'm with you all, even unto the end of the world. What, is the, what are we supposed to do to, to converts? What are we doing here this morning to those? We're to, we are to teach. We are to teach to do what? Not just teach what the Bible says, but to teach how to observe. How to observe, to do what the Bible says. Right Now you notice here what Paul says, look at verse 11 again. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Look at those two words. Put on. Put on. Yeah. What would you call that? What is Paul what is Paul doing there? If somebody's if you if you told if if you're getting ready uh, to leave and uh Alan, you... You told Paige when she was little, go put on your coat and we'll go. What are you doing? Yeah. Okay, in action. You're given a command, aren't you? Don't you remember the one, parents, all they did was command you and told you to do everything? Yeah. Do this, do that, do that, do that. And now what did you do? And you have to do this, do that. It's wonderful how it gets passed on. Command! Why can you command? Because you have the authority to command. If you're a parent, you have that authority. If you if you are a boss over people, you have that authority, right? It's, it just comes with the authority. I think God has authority in our life. Amen. What does the Holy Spirit of God say? Put on the whole armor of God. Put it on. It's something you have to do. We'll see this. We'll see this later in Ephesians uh, in, on our Sunday mornings. But we're to put off the old man and put on the new man. Something we have to do of our own volition. Watch, victory over Satan's attacks begins not just girding up your loins with truth, because you need the truth, right? You've got to have the truth so you can what? You have to have the truth so you can put on the breastplate. Because the, the breastplate is the obedience to the truth that you have. So we have two, they build on each other. You notice this? If you don't have truth, if you don't know what the truth is, you can't put on the breastplate because you're not on obedience to the truth. If you put on the breastplate, right? if you think you're putting on the breastplate, you're not, and you don't have truth, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's not the right breastplate. It's going to be taken out. It's not going to be strong enough. It's not going to be it. So victory over Satan begins with obedience. Put it on and watch, and then you continue, continue with obedience. So, you know, every time you obey the Word of God you are doing the Word of God. Every time you give, every time you tithe, right? every time, which should be after you are increased, <laughs> every time you assemble, every time you read, every time, watch, that you put off anger, every 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 time, I, oh, I tell you what, <laughs> I was coming up down, down a road somewhere and and some guy was just right on my tail, and I'm thinking, mm, and it was the Holy Spirit of God said, "Stop it! Just take my way." You know what I was doing? You know what you were doing when you do that? You put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, if I'd continued on, you know, what would have been flying at me with open open areas, darts of Satan. Yeah. And then you then, then Christians wonder like, why well, I just can't get victory in my life? Maybe you just need to start with obeying what you have. Get on the breastplate of righteousness, right? Just do, it. it's doing. It's doing what God has told us to do. And every time we choose that, we put on, and every time we continue to do what we're told, we're keeping it on. What does it mean the breastplate of righteousness is putting on? It means it can be taken off. No, hey, these things are, you know, we're born again, child of God, and and here it's just not like, okay, here's your little new earth outfit of, of armor, and get out there, yay. No, you know what, those soldiers, they put it on, and they took it off, and there are times they had it on, times they had it off. But listen, or they could take it off and walk AWOL, and, and, and walk away from the battle, and just go off something else. Demas, having loved this present world, has departed me, hath left me, and departed unto Thessalonica. What did he do? He put his he put his armor off, and he got out of the fight. We can do that. It's possible. It happens. Right. Begins with truth, but truth has got to move to obedience. Yeah. And if you're missing segments of the armor, if there's disobedience in your life. I'm telling you, it's no wonder why you why you are facing why you are facing defeat in your life today. I don't know if anybody is. I don't know where it's at, if it is. You know where it's at. God knows where it's at. There may be somewhere back a long time ago that God said, you need to do this. And he said, eh, I don't know. I don't like that. And then for the last year, last five years, last 15 years, last 30 years, you've been suffering defeat in your life last 35 minutes, you know, I don't know, defeat. What do you do? Well, go back to the obedience. Get the breastplate back on. And you'll watch, you'll begin to protect your heart. Because Satan gets your heart, here's the sad thing, Satan gets your heart, the likelihood that you'll ever want to go back to and fix that thing anyway is pretty slim. Careful. He's not to be trifled with. He has, listen, Satan has damaged greater Christians than you and destroyed them yeah it's a serious thing I'm so thankful for the armor that God has given us you know what we need to do we just need to die to self die to ourselves come alive to Christ and say yes and just live daily just doing righteousness and we'll have that protection that we need so badly Father thank you for the reminder of the day and uh And we just pray, Lord, that you would help us today by your Holy Spirit to guard our heart, to protect our heart. And uh, Lord, as we do that, uh, in obedience to you, every place you've told us to obey, that we would do that, whether it's in giving, whether it's in loving, whether it's in uh, putting off anger, whether it's in forgiving, whether it's putting off bitterness, whatever it may be, Lord, the area of obedience, would you help us? So obey quickly, put on that breastplate, protect that heart that uh, that, that is to be for you only, and uh, give us the victory that we need to be successful in this life for you. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.